Now let's turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 12. Genesis, chapter 12. We continue in our celebration of Hispanic Heritage Month. month. And you see on the cover of our bulletins, I'm wearing, of course, a little guayabera from Guanajuato, courtesy of my tia, um, and my Mexican-American heritage, September, I believe, is it 15th or 16th? Some said 15th, some said 16th. The 15th was um, the independence of uh, uh, Mexico from Spanish rule, and so we are so thankful for that, and of course we have several people and family from uh, the Mexican-American heritage, and so we just wanted to recognize and celebrate with some of our brothers and sisters, amen? Praise the Lord. That has nothing to do with the message today, though. Today the message has everything to do, though, with obedience. Oh. Wow. Obedience. And you know what? A lot of what we're going to be talking about in these next four weeks really have nothing to do with, but it could have to do with, with sin, but not necessarily. Obedience is so much greater Obedience is so much larger. Obedience entails so much more of what our relationship with God is all about. So I don't want us to get hung up on this idea of obedience and punishment and that kind of, no, that's not the message. The message that the Lord is bringing us into these next four weeks is really a message that is going to meet us wherever we are at today. Because you are at a place in your life where God is calling you into a greater obedience. In your own life, and I don't know your life. I know only a little bit of my life. God knows more about my life than I do. And I'm so consumed with trying to understand what obedience means for me that I very rarely have the time or the opportunity to understand what obedience even looks like for you. So today this message really is, it's not Pastor Josh communicating the message of obedience because you got to hear this. I'm simply the person that God has called to bring the message of obedience for all of us. And I pray that the Lord brings us and, and takes us by the hand and leads us into understanding what that obedience means and how obedience can be defined in your own life. And the only way we're going to understand what it means for you to be obedient to Jesus is if we start listening, is if we start paying attention. Pastor Joe and I were just speaking a little while ago about how the Lord has been so gracious to start teaching us and showing us things that really I've never really been able to see before. But I believe by his grace and God's loving mercy, he's been able to open my heart and open my eyes and my spirit 
to what the Lord is doing in my life and, in, and around me. Just a little bit. And it's such a blessing. Well, the title of today's message is Walking in Obedience. Walking in Obedience. And we're going to see why the Lord is the one calling us into that walk with Him. The walk with Christ can be a difficult walk. The walk with Christ can sometimes be a lonely walk. The walk with Christ can be a difficult walk even for someone who's married. It can feel lonely even if you're married because God may be dealing with you in, in your own heart and in your own way and God may be dealing and working in your spouse in a completely different way. God may be dealing in your life, even if you're a part of a, a household or a home. And sometimes God simply is calling out your name because you're actually in a place to hear his voice. Not everybody is in that place to hear God's voice. And we're going to see how Father Abraham began to learn to hear the voice of God. In Genesis chapter 12, we're going to read the verses first. And then we're going to walk through some passage, passages together. The Lord had said to Abram, everybody say Abram. Leave your country, your people, and your father's household. And go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. And I'll make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left. As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all of the possessions they had accumulated and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to them. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel. Everybody say Bethel. And pitched his tent with Bethel on the west. And Ai on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the same, excuse me, on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and we love you. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, teach us about your word. Father God, that you bring us into a, 
more intimate and a closer relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you'd forgive us for our sins. Father, I pray that you would lead us on this walk and this journey with you. Lord, I pray that we would learn to obey you, that you'd open our minds, that you'd open our hearts, that you'd open our spiritual eyes to see beautiful things in your word today. We pray all these things in Christ Jesus' name. And everyone said, and everybody said, give God a hand of praise today, Mission Ebenezer Family Church. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 17, we read about the genealogy of Jesus. And Matthew, the author of that gospel or that good news account of Christ, actually gives us the, the genealogy from Jesus all the way to Abraham. So in other words, Jesus comes from the lineage of Abraham. And you can read about that in Matthew chapter 1. And Matthew happens to be the first book of our New Testament as the Bible was comprised or put together. So when we leave the Old Testament, we, we turn, turn over into the New Testament. And Matthew chapter 1 right there brings us along in this understanding of who Jesus is and actually where his bloodline, although we know Jesus, the Son of God, is God himself and God, Jesus is divine. But Jesus here on earth also through the flesh, comes, comes to us from Father Abraham. Are you with me so far? So we, we learn about Abraham, our father of faith. But today what I would like to proffer or introduce or, or say to us is the fact that if there was ever anybody who demonstrated faith, it must be said that that person also has demonstrated obedience. Because faith and obedience go hand in hand. If God calls you to do something and you take your first step of faith, it means that you received what God was saying to you. And as a result of you receiving the very word of God, what happens then is the next proper step for us, if we do hear him and if we do receive him, is we take that step and that's called obedience. If God calls us, if God shows us something, if God points to something and we do not take action and we stay put, we have not yet acted in accordance with, with the word that God has given to us. We have not yet acted in accordance with what has been spoken to you based on your own situation, based on my situation. And I'm not going to quite yet call that disobedience. Because some of us may be just discerning the call of God. And some of us are just at the, the very beginning place of understanding that a walk with Jesus really is a walk of faith. And it becomes what? A walk of obedience. So praise the Lord. God calls us not to judge one another, a sister or a brother, based on where we are or based on what we do. Because we're not all at the same place in our lives. Some of us, life was very, very rude to. To some of us, life was not fair. To some of us, we feel orphaned by life. 
We, we feel orphaned by circumstance. Some of us feel orphaned by God and left by God because of our situation, because of things that happened to us that we did not want to happen to us. Some people were born into different situations that are really, really difficult. And others were born into situations that, which were less difficult. Yet God is the one and the same to us all. Yet at the same time, God is a good and he is a faithful father. And he loves us. And God meets us right where we are. And that's why he sent us his son, Jesus. Because Jesus knows your name. Jesus knows your frame. Jesus knows how many hairs you have on your head and how many I'm losing by the day. I just look at my shower drain every day. I'm like, no, Jesus, no. You ever ask God why? You ever ask God why things happen to you? I'm asking God why? Why me, Lord? <laughs> Pastor Isaac said I've been chosen. I've been chosen, but my hair has not. My hairline, my hairline is struggling. <laughs> no, praise God, Sister Sandra, praise God. I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. My wife ain't complaining yet. <laughs> you know, when, when Boomy and I had children... One of, those, one of those first things that parents are looking forward to when the babies are infants, or what? First step. That first step is pretty cool. I think I saw Elisha's first step. We were at, um, my, Elisha's my oldest son. He turns 15 in two days. We were, at, we were at UC Santa Barbara at a sports camp in the dorms, and he was 10 months. He was an early walker. Somebody say early walker. And, um, man, I, you know, it was like a big deal. Boomy is like telling everybody in her world, like, I saw Elijah walking. We, and his nickname is Tiger, so Tiger was walking early. And then Judah walked. Judah walked at around 12 months. 14 months. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Excuse me. And then what about Lola? Nine months. Lola beat them all. The girls beat them all. Lola, our youngest, she, was, she walked at nine months. And so the interesting thing about this illustration of a, of a baby taking their first steps is really we're not concerned about babies when they're born and when they're young because they're in our arms and they can't go anywhere. They're always in the loving arms and in sight, in, you know, earshots, distance, right? Of like them crying. You know, when they were really, when they were really first born and they're coming home, you're like, are they breathing? You know, first time parents, you know, are they breathing? Are they okay, right? You know, you're like, you're listening, like, okay, they're good. But the moment a child starts walking is when you got to look out, you got to watch out. Because now they go from walking to running real fast and boom, they're, out, they're going. They're out the door. They're out the door. That's when you got to baby proof the whole house. 
the whole house, all the cabinets, you know, for my kids, it was like baby proof, the food pantry. <laughs> them kids can eat. But a, ch- a child, when they're first born and they're first growing, they're at that place in time where they receive a lot of care, a lot of supervision. You know, a, a child is fed milk and, and, and they're taken care of. And, you know, when we first come into a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with God, the Lord brings us along and, and walking with him in the first, you know, early, early moments of our walk with Jesus, it's pretty radical. It's pretty amazing. It's kind of like very, very easy to start walking with God when we're first in love with Christ. It's like when you're in a relationship with the, you know, with, with, with the significant other, man, it's really easy to want to be around them all the time. Like, you get married, it's like honeymoon status for a minute. The moment you start walking and then they start running, you're like, uh-oh. Because in the moment they start walking is the moment that they can start to understand words. They can understand their parents' orders and instructions and directions. The do's and the don'ts. The no, you cannot leave the house. No, you cannot go to the sidewalk. No, you cannot run into the street. Spank, spank. Because at that moment, when they start walking or running or moving rather fast is when obedience really, really matters. Are you following me? So obedience really, really matters when we start to hear the voice of God and the Lord loves us so much that he starts to teach us and show us the things that we need to know so that we can grow in our relationship with him so that as we receive Christ and we receive the kingdom of God through Christ, the kingdom of heaven through Christ, it's at that moment that we become, um, let's just put it this way, more able to bring the kingdom of heaven with us into our situation, into our own world, and into the life and relationship with others. In the last two months, we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount and the teachings on the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven that Jesus was teaching us through Matthew's, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 was how to learn to receive the kingdom and then how to walk in the kingdom. And that means how to walk in obedience with the Father through the teachings of His Son, Jesus Christ. In, in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9, we just read that God called Abraham out to him. Because Abraham, or Abram, came from a place called Babylon, which at the time was Ur, Ur of the Chaldees. So Abram was a Chaldean, and they had a certain way of life. Abram, Father Abram, was called out of a chaotic time near the beginning of Scripture here in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 11, we read about the Tower of Babel, where God caused confusion upon the people because of their pride, trying to do things on their own, being proud or puffed up in their own abilities, our own knowledge, our own plans, thinking that 
They could build the tower as high as the heavens and reach God. In other words, become like God. Whereas God said, no, that's not what I intended my creation to be. I, I created mankind in order to have a loving relationship with them and them with me. And so God had to separate humankind there at the Tower of Babel. And today the message is not about the Tower of Babel. But God was bringing his people, his chosen people, whom he selected, Abram, as the one that he would establish his covenant with. So God chose to establish the covenant of relationship through Abram. And Abram means father of nations. Father of nations or father of a people. Comes from the word Abba. So that's where we get the word Abram. In Genesis 15, 6, the Bible says that Abram believed God when God was teaching Abram to take his next step of faith of believing God without seeing God or seeing what God was speaking to him about. The Bible says that as Abraham believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness. In other words, Abram was justified by his faith and trust in God. And again, what we're learning about is that when God called upon Abram and placed a test or a situation or a circumstance in front of Abram, Abram had to continue to take those next faithful steps with God. Passing those testing moments of the faith. What may God be bringing to you or asking of you or testing you in your faith? What next step of obedience is, is God brought before you? For you to contemplate, for you to consider, for you to pray on, for you to think about, for you to journal about, for you to talk to one another about, for you to talk to a mentor or a mentee about, so on and so forth. What is God speaking to your heart and speaking to your life? What is your next step in this life? Or has God just called us to just continue to go through life, not knowing our purpose, our identity, not knowing the goodness of God, not knowing his grace, not knowing his mercy, not knowing Jesus intimately or the Father in that powerful and wonderful way. I believe God is trying to get all of our attention. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 3, the Bible says that Abram, somebody say Abram, because he's not yet Abraham. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 17, verse 3, that Abram fell with his face to the ground, prostrate, not prostate, prostrate. He fell with his face to the ground. He worshiped God. And it was there through his life of obedience and through his demonstration, demonstration of obe obeying God one step at a time and the, the, the instructions and the direction and the, the calling and the, the nudging and the knocking and the prodding. Abram continued to demonstrate 
his faithfulness through steps of obedience, saying, yes, Lord. And as Abram continued to say, yes, Lord, it was at that moment in Genesis chapter 17, verse 3, where the Bible says God changed Abram's name from Abram, father of nations, to Abraham, father of many nations. So in other words, through obedience, Abram was given blessing on top of blessing on top of blessing because he was demonstrating that he was obedient and he was learning to trust. You see, sometimes God has to call us out of our situation, out of our comfort zones in order to bring us along a life and a path and a walk of learning to trust in him, even when we don't understand it. Even when it's hard. Even when we don't like it. Even when our mind says, no, God. I'm here and I can't do what you're telling me to do. It's too hard. Go talk to somebody else. Don't trip. Don't worry. It's okay. At least you're starting a relationship and a conversation with him. God, I'm not ready yet. Oh, he's, he's got your ear. How many of us, you know, when our parents, they kept telling us over and over, and we're not listening, we drown it out, we say, yeah, I hear you, but, but no. Yeah, I hear you, but. But at least we're listening. At least we're, we're conversing. Well, God wants to show us not just how to converse, not just how to listen, not just how to hear, but also how to respond. The Lord is teaching us how we're to bring our hearts and our lives, our spirit in alignment with him. So he called them Abraham. Somebody say Abraham. Father of many nations. According to the promise in Genesis chapter 12, it says, I will make you into a great nation. That was Abram. And I will bless you and I will make your name great. And, I will, and you will be a blessing. And I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The Lord took that promise and then he upped the ante and increased the blessing upon Abram because of his faithfulness through his obedience. You see, faithfulness is directly related to obedience. Somebody is faithful based on their obedience. A husband or a wife are faithful to one another based on their obedience to one another and to Christ. Can I hear an amen? Faithfulness in a, in a relationship with friend or with family, they're faithful, has to do with our obedience to one another. Meaning we can't just live however we want to live, say whatever we want to say, do whatever we want to do in the context of relationship with others because it means that we are not living in obedience with one another. But obedience with one another is so important because we're all accountable to one another in the body of Christ. In this thing called life, we're obedient to one another. When we're not obedient to one another, when we're out of accountability, that's when sin comes in. 
Because it first starts with us distancing ourselves from God, and then we begin to distance ourselves from one another. We distance ourselves from the very word of God. Some of us are at the place now where we're starting to learn the word of God, and he's going to bring us into a greater life of obedience and a greater life of faithfulness to him and to his body and to one another and to family and to friends and to this whole world. Even to the point of taking care of the earth. We all live in obedience to one another and all of God's creation. And that's just the way God designed it. God even furthered the testing of Abraham's faith and obedience in Genesis chapter 22. When he told him to sacrifice his son Isaac. That was radical. And I'm so glad that he did not have to do it. And I'm not going to go into the story there. Because it may be a topic of one of our upcoming sermons and lessons. But just know that as God tested Abraham and asked him to come further out to God in obedience, further out upon the water, as Jesus called Peter out of the boat and to walk on water, God was calling Abraham out of a place of comfort, a place of his own identity, a way of life, and everything that he knew. You guys want to know more about that? Let's go back to the text. Genesis chapter 12. Verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram. Pause there. The Hebrew for the Lord said is Vayomer. Yahweh, or Jehovah, however you prefer to pronounce it. It's the same thing. They come from the same four-consonant word called the Tetragrammaton. It's four Hebrew letters, yod Hey vav Hey, which means Yahweh or Jehovah. There are no nouns. There are no a, A's, E's, excuse me, excuse me, vowels, sorry. There are no vowels in the Hebrew Bible. So everything is consonants. So the Lord said to Abram, leave your country. Now, here in verse 1, the word for leave is the Hebrew word halak. Everybody say halak. Halak means to walk. Halak means to walk. It's translated in some Bibles, some translations as leave your country. I'm reading from the NIV and the NIV, which was the, the committee in 1984 that translated the Hebrew, chose to translate the word halak here as leave. It can also mean to walk away or to walk out of. Are you tracking with me thus far, people? So the Lord who said to Abram, the father of nations, leave your country. Walk away from your country. Halak. He also says, walk away from your people. And then he says in verse 1, look, 
and walk away from your father's household and go to the land that I will show you. So there's three things right here that the Lord called Abraham to walk out of. His land, his people, and his father's household. The Hebrew word for land or earth is Eretz, Eretz. It's where we get the word earth, Eretz. You see the connection? That's where we get that, that meaning. And oftentimes, in our lives, wherever we were born is normally the place that we say, I'm from, with my grandparents on my father's side, I'm from Durango. I'm from Guanajuato. I'm from the land of Mexico, God country. But watch this. Here in the United States of America, man, I was born in Los Angeles, raised in Keystone, ran the streets of Jameson. L.A. is my home. My identity, wherever I would go away from Los Angeles, oftentimes pointed back to Los Angeles. Where are you from? L.A. Oh, I could tell by your Mexican accent. I don't know how to say Disneyland. I, I, I pronounce the S right there on purpose, but I normally say like Disneyland. Like, where are you from? L.A. Oh, I, I could tell. And so oftentimes the place or the country or the land from where we come from, we have lots of, lots of our identity, lots of who we are from a particular place. There's sometimes pride that comes from being from a, a particular piece of rock. Right? I mean, so, to the point where some of us, man, we got our varios, you know, tattooed on our bodies. Praise God. Amen. It's... it's it's where we belonged to. But watch this. God was calling Abram out of that way of thinking and out of that way of identity calling. God was delivering Abram from a false sense of identity, from a false sense of who he was in the flesh, because God had to start bringing him, the father of faith, into a, another understanding, a greater understanding of his identity, of his purpose, of his calling, and of his future, his destiny. A lot of times, obedience requires that we have to give up certain things that we've been holding on to that give us comfort, that give us confidence, but maybe a false comfort or a false confidence. A false sense of pride. This place. He says, leave your country. Wow. And there's some people here in this, in this, under this tent that have left their country and come to another country. And praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. And that's a blessing. But the spiritual meaning here is that God was bringing Abram into a greater relationship with him. And then he said...
Leave your people. Moledet. Leave your relatives. Leave people who speak your language. Leave people who look like you. Leave people who walk like you. Leave the people who talk like you. Leave the people who dress like you. So in other words, although I'm wearing this guayabera today, it's just on the outside. But what on the, what's on the inside is most important. And what's on, what's on the inside is the fact that God got a hold of my life. Not because I was born into it. Not because my last name is Canales. Not because my parents were pastors and my grandparents were pastors. That, that is only a part of my journey and my life and my process. And you have your own. You have your own story. My story is not better than yours. My story is not higher than yours. Because your story is a journey and a life of God coming into your life through his son, Jesus Christ. And you being like Abraham, just like God called me, like Abraham, at which I recognize Christ as my own Lord and Savior. And when you receive Christ as your own Lord and Savior, I'm not a Christian because my parents were Christians. Our faith and our relationship with God has nothing to do with what nationality, what race I am, what last name I have. You look at somebody, oh, you know, I think they're Christian. What are you talking about? I think they're Jewish. Look, what are you talking about? Oh, they must be Muslim. What are you talking about? It has nothing to do with our physical features. It has everything to do with our Christ-like features. It has everything to do with our godly character. It has everything to do with the fact that we heard the voice of God calling us out of our country, our way of life, our way of being, our way of knowing and learning to, uh, and understanding how to follow him and how to walk with him. You're not born into a family and say, oh, my family, we're Catholic, so I'm Catholic. That does not exist. Oh, I was dedicated to the Lord when I was a child. Praise God. I was presented to the Lord on the altar at church. Praise God. I was dedicated by my pastor. Praise God. That doesn't make that child a Christian. Oh, did I just shatter your whole way of thinking and understanding? It doesn't make your child a Christian. No, sir. Your, your child will only become a Christian when they recognize the voice of Jesus in their life and say yes to Jesus and accept Jesus as their own personal Lord and Savior. And they are raised up in the word of God. They are raised up in their own walk. Somebody say their own walk. Each and every one of us here is called into our own walk with God. And that walk begins with obedience. 
The walk begins with obedience. That's why the message today is called walking in obedience. Breaking the mold. Man, I remember growing up in the neighborhood right here, being a pastor's kid, but having friends and family who looked a certain way, talked a certain way, walked a certain way. My cousin who was starting to get caught up in the in the neighborhood. God rest his soul. He's in heaven. Thank the Lord. He was wearing khakis. He was wearing Levi's with soda in creases. He was rocking the Cortez classics. Don't get me wrong. I like me some Cortez classics. Don't get me wrong. I love me some some nice iron and starched Dickies or Ben Davis. I love me some. As a matter of fact, you may see me up here wearing some soon. But my point is that it kind of came with a certain way of life and a certain culture. And I was in fifth grade telling my mom, mom, I want to get some some pants like my big cousins. Mom, I want to get some some shoes like my big cousin. Little did I know, you know, my cousin was getting into some trouble. You know, he's mobbing like this, you know, walking a certain way, talking a certain way, mad dogging people a certain way, thinking a certain way. And I love my cousin. I'm not down on my cousin. The Lord delivered him from that way of life. Praise the Lord. But my point is this. When God called Abram out of his people, away from his people, that way of life, a way of being, a way of doing, it had more to do with how he looked, how he dressed. Excuse me, it had less to do with how he looked and how he dressed and all of that than it had to do with God breaking a mold. God breaking into a certain way of thinking. You know, so all of us come from a family of sorts and we've all learned a certain way of being. We've learned how to handle ourselves, how to conduct ourselves. But we also picked up ways of thinking that may be good and also thinking that may not be so good. Maybe maybe some of us come from situations where, man, there's just a lot of lot of hurt. And because of the hurt, there's a lot of anger. And because there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of hatred. And because there's a lot of hatred, there's a lot of unforgiveness. And maybe we were raised in that, and maybe it's still stuck on us. Maybe we still smell like it. Maybe we still look like it. Maybe we still talk like it. But when the Lord calls you out, To walk with him. When the Lord graciously, patiently takes us by the hand and says, it's okay. You don't have to deny everything that it is to come from that upbringing. You can love your family. You can love your friends. You can love people from the neighborhood. You can love people in that way of life. You can love that community. You can love the people in the world, whoever they may be, however they may be. You can love them as Christ loved them and as Christ sees them. But it doesn't mean that we have to continue to act like that or be like that or talk like that or live like that or swim in that. Because the Lord may be wanting to call us out for a greater purpose. God wants to deliver us 
mentally, socially, relationally, psychologically, spiritually, materially, fleshly, from the things that used to bind us, from the things that used to shackle us, from the things that used to have us walking with chain and ball, from the thing that that didn't allow us to run. God wants to deliver us from all those things. He's breaking the mold. Can I hear an amen? The third thing that God called Abraham out of was his father's household. And the Hebrew word for house is bait. Bait abikah. Abikah means of his father. Bait means house or bet. Bet also shows up at the end of this little short passage in Bethel, house of God. But God had to also call Abram out of and from under. Did you see that? He called them out from under his father's household. Can we talk about household for a minute? Can I talk about household for a minute? My mom still pays my AAA car service. Straight to the heart. And I'm pretty sure that's the only bill that my parents volitionally continually pay for. My, my folks still, they're still paying my AAA gold membership card. Every time my, my ba- car battery dies and those homies come off on the freeway and hook me up, I think of my mom and dad and how much they love me. But I remember for a little while, too, even as an adult, mom was still paying for my phone bill until mom... As loving as she is and as generous as she is, she sent me a sweet little text. So I think we're, we're, we're coming along the time where we're probably going to be, you know, disconnecting. Part of my heart was kind of hurt that day. I was like, oh. I was kind of hurt. My feelings got kind of hurt. My pocketbook got kind of hurt that day. I remember talking to Boomy like, hey, we, you know, we're going to start assuming a few more responsibilities. When we talk about household, when we talk about house, we're talking about all the things that really covered Abram. His father's name, his father's reputation, his father's finances, his father's provision, his father's protection, his father's wisdom, his, his father's way of being, his father's way of doing, his father's way of loving, his father's way of hunting, his father's way of eating, his father's way of talking, his father's way of uh, in. And God said, yes, Abram, you must come from, out from under your father. His father was still alive. 
Terah. He was still alive when Abram came to him and said, Dad, it's been good. And I don't know how to say this, but I love you. And goodbye. You see, his father never knew the Lord. Terah never knew the Lord the way that Abram was coming to know the Lord. Because the Bible says that Abram was the first that God established the covenant with in this new way. And God chose Abram to start a new journey, to blaze a new trail, to start a new path. And I'm not saying Terah didn't know God. I'm sure he did. He's a child of God. Just like all the inhabitants of the earth are children of God by creation. But only those who receive Christ and the message of the gospel through salvation become children of redemption. That means we become redeemed by the blood of Jesus and by the work of Christ and by the work of Calvary. And so we see that Abram was being called to establish new rules for his own house and his own family, for his own people, for his own nation. Somebody say his own nation. You see, God has called you to be the leader, to be the head of, of the world that you're a part of. Everything that is under you, everything that is alongside you is your world. It's your nation. Because it comes under your voice. Whatever God has placed in your hand and under your hand is blessed by you because and by nature of your relationship with God and your obedience through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you have, you have great authority in the kingdom of heaven. You have great power in the kingdom of heaven. Teachers have great power and great authority over the children that they teach. Mothers have great power and authority over the lives that they lead and over the lives that they love and serve and care for. And fathers have the same and so on and so forth. Praise the Lord. God was calling Abram to establish new customs, new traditions. Watch this. And a new religion through faith and through relationship. New practices that his forefathers never knew. The Bible says as soon as Abraham began to walk with God, somebody say halak. As he began to walk with God, one of the first things that Abram did was set up an altar to worship the one true God. He set up an altar at Bethel to worship the one true God. For the first time, there was going to be someone who was going to worship the one true God. That's called monotheistic faith. Mono meaning one. Theistic comes from the Greek word theos, which means God. One God. The worship of one God. A faith of one God. A faith of one baptism. The faith of one salvation. Hallelujah. Abram 
was establishing what you and I are realizing even today by worshiping Yahweh, Jehovah, and not the other gods. Not other gods created with human hands. Not other pagan gods or other deities. Not worshiping the sun, S-U-N. Not worshiping the moon. Not worshiping the stars. We've got to separate ourselves from God's creation and God. God's called, up to, called us to worship God, not the things that God has created. That's why we don't worship one another except Christ, who is God himself. God called Abraham into that relationship, into that covenant. Somebody say covenant. So what is a house? What is a household? If you walk into our home, you may see scriptures on the walls that speak to who we are and who we say that we are and what we believe God has called us to. Maybe a certain lifestyle has been like a father to you. Maybe a certain way of life has been like a father to us. Maybe the way of the world. Maybe the way of money, serving money, has been a father to us. We latched on to hard work, success, materialism, and that has been our father. Now I'm preaching, not teaching. Maybe the ways of the streets, or the way of the barrio, or the way of the gangs, or the way of a neighborhood, or the way of a culture, the way of a particular race, anything that may have provided a protection and a covering or an identity for us that helped us along to an extent, but which truly is a false, false way of being, a false way of identity, a false way of thinking, a false way of success, the world's way of success. Maybe that's been a house for us. Maybe that's been the household of our father where we have drawn comfort strength the Lord called Abram out of all of that he called us up from under and out of a career path oh I am a teacher I am a nurse and my whole life is revolved and surrounded about those things. And I draw a whole bunch of good stuff, but also sometimes if we're not careful, false identity from the things of this earth. Which will remain here when we go to heaven. When we go to heaven, everything will be stripped away except our spirit. And the spirit that lives in the the son or the daughter who is redeemed by the blood of Jesus and the Lamb of God will be able to come into the presence of the Most High. We'll be able to come into the presence of God and approach the throne, not by the things that we're identified with here on earth, but the things that God 
has spoken to us, the things that the word of God has prophesied to us about. The promises of God that we receive from the very word of God are who we truly are. Can I hear an amen? Those places of comfort, money, protection, provision, they cause us to make a whole lot of decisions in life, don't they? Because we have a priority system. But the way of the master, or the way of the kingdom, turns the things of the world upside down. Has a way of reorienting our lives, our priorities, here on earth, when we place the kingdom of heaven in its proper place. I want to take this message to the last point before we dismiss today. We talked about the Hebrew word for walking. Does anybody remember what that word is? Everybody say halak. Well, for our Jewish brothers and sisters, the actual practice Obedience, living out the customs, the traditions of their Jewish faith, which is, was Old Testament faith. Let's not get it twisted. We're, we're Christians by virtue of our faith in Jesus the Christ, the anointed one, the king, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the king, Jesus the Messiah or the Mashiach. He was Jewish. He came from the Jews. Their relationship with God and their customs, their traditions of their faith, as they understand it and as it is pulled out of the scriptures, is called halakha. Somebody say halakha. So in other words, our Jewish brothers understand what it means to walk with Adonai, the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah. Some has, have even recognized who Jesus of Nazareth is as Messiah. Some have not yet. And that should be a prayer of ours. Not only for our Jewish brothers, but also for people of other faith, of other religions, of other walks of life, of other spirituality, or people who don't profess any faith at all. Praise the Lord. We are not better than anybody else on this world, in this world, or on this earth. We should be so humble to the point of brokenness and humility and love for one another, whether in the faith or outside of our faith in Jesus Christ, so that we live in such a way as to love one another and love the world so that the world might see Christ in us. A walk with Christ, a walk with God, is a walk of obedience. In verse 1, when he says, leave your country, your people, your father's household, watch this, and go to the land I will show you. The land that God showed Abram was the new land that God had for him. 
the land that, that God has for you is the land that he is leading you to possess. It's the land that he is taking you into as you begin to walk in a greater obedience with him. What is God requiring of us? What is God calling you to do? What is God calling us to respond to him in obedience with? Sometimes God calls you and I to give something up, not because it's bad, not because it's wrong, not because it's sinful. Sometimes he calls us into a greater relationship of trust and a greater relationship of obedience with him for a greater purpose or a greater cause. Because God has something else that he has for you that's required upon, upon yours and mine obedience to him. Oh, but we could justify and we can excuse and we can do a whole lot of things. And the thing about Abraham right here was this, what? He was not walking and living a life of sin per se. He was simply growing in and walking into a new life of obedience where God had blessings. Look what it says. I will make you into a great nation. That's the new people. If the first one was God taking him out of his old land, his own country, his, his old earth, and giving him a new land, if God was calling Abram out of his relatives, his own people, God is telling you, I will bring you into your own people, a new people, a new Jerusalem, a new Israel. He's bringing us into the new Jerusalem, into a faith walk with him, into a new people, a new Israel, the body of Christ, which is a part of the kingdom of heaven. And finally, he says, leave your father's household. That was the third command of walking out of. Abram had to walk away from. But the third promise, he says this, I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. In other words, if you think that you're giving up something that you need or that is too difficult to give up, don't forget that with the promise and the condition comes the blessing through obedience. I will bless you. I will provide for you. I will open doors for you that you cannot open on your own. I will love you like you've never been loved before. I will comfort you like you've never been comforted before. I will restore your relationships. I will restore everything that you feel that you are giving up to me in order to walk with me. When Jesus talked to the rich young ruler, and, and the rich young ruler said, I've done everything that there is to do. What must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus says, go and sell all of your possessions. And then you shall inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible says the rich young ruler was not able to do so. 
It wasn't, it wasn't solely about possessions for that rich young ruler. You know who the rich young ruler is? Us. What is it that we possess? What is it that we have that God is calling us to give to him, to walk away from, to entrust into the hands of God, to inherit the kingdom of God? The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus walked away from what he knew in heaven. Jesus stepped off of his throne to come to this earth. He walked away from his, his turf. Jesus walked away from his celestial heavenly territory. Jesus walked away from the angelic beings. Jesus walked away from his father to come to this earth. Jesus was the first missionary. Jesus was the one who came after us. Jesus was the one who first loved us. Jesus was the one who stepped off of his throne and came to us just as God called Abraham to leave his, his country, to leave his people, and to leave his father's household. Jesus left it all because he loved you so much. Jesus left it all because God loved you and God sees you where you are and God will love you where you are and God will show you where you need to go and God will give you what you need and God will give you even more than what you need. God will break open the heavens and bless you greater than anything you can ever imagine, anything you could ever dream of, anything that you could ever feel sorry for yourself. I'm giving up all this, but God says, oh, but I have so much more in store. Hallelujah. I guess I got to get from, from underneath everything that, that I've, been, I've been hiding under all this time. False hope, false love, false security, false pride, false confidence. We can go on and on. Some of us, we've been living under a household of anger. Under the house, the covering of, of bitterness, of unforgiveness. God's calling us out from under. Somebody say out from under. God's calling us into a greater walk with him. A faith walk. A trust walk. Jesus is just talking to us and he's saying, hey, come on, let's go take a walk. Hey, you got a, you got, you got a moment? Can we just go take, go for a walk? Today, if there's anybody here that the Lord is speaking to, if there's anybody here today that can see and visualize the walk, the way, the caminata, the camino, if there's any of us that are here today and we could see the path ahead and it kind of looks scary because we've never been there. You've seen others around you that have walked it and lived it. And man, it looks beautiful and it's inviting, but sometimes it's hard to take the first step of obedience. If there's somebody here today that is just 
feeling the Holy Spirit. Just you feel Christ calling unto you. You feel the Father. He's just knocking on the door of your heart. If there's anybody here today who the Holy Spirit is getting getting a hold of their heart. If there's anybody here today who says, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna take that walk of obedience, Pastor. Is there any, if there's anybody here today that, it, that wants to venture out with God, and let me tell you about God real quick, if, if this last hour hasn't done enough, oh, that walk is so precious. The walk is a gracious and it's a forgiving walk. You start walking down the road, and after a while, you look to your right and you realize that there are people walking with you. You realize, you don't even realize after a while you've been walking with him so long. And I'm not saying the walk is easy, but it's better. Along that walk are many signs. On the side of that road. On the side of the path. Because the Lord already goes before you. The Lord has gone before us. If there's anybody here today, I'm going to ask that everybody just bow your head right there where you are. there's anybody that would like to invite Jesus to come into their hearts today if there's anybody that says yes I want to take just a closer walk just a closer walk just a closer walk with him if that's you won't you raise your hand right there where you are going to ask you to do anything more if that's you just raise your hand right there if you want to invite Jesus to come into your heart I'm not even going to look I'm not going to look everybody just respect everyone's time right now their moment this this moment right here with the Lord it's a precious moment it's a it's a fresh moment praise the Lord I know there are hands going up whether here in the house or watching with us online or receiving this message yet at a later time, yet a later appointed time, God bless you and welcome into the kingdom of heaven. Because you saying yes today will change the rest of your life. Because now you're entrusting your, your life into the hands of God and saying, I surrender control. I surrender my will. I surrender my pride. I surrender my way of life, my way of doing things. And I want to do it God's way. If that's you, you just invited Jesus to come into your heart. We're going to pray with you right now. And there's others who are making a decision today to rededicate their lives. There's other people who are here today. There's couples that are here today, spouses people who represent marriages that are here today that the Lord is bringing you into a renewed relationship and a rededication of your lives and your marriage unto him and a commitment into walking with the Lord together and with the body of Christ with the loving body of Christ that is on this journey with you let's say this prayer and anybody who wants to pray this prayer with me you may Say, dear Lord, 
teach me to walk with you. Strengthen my spiritual legs. Strengthen my understanding. Give me understanding. Strengthen my faith. Take me on this walk with you. I want to walk with you today, Lord. I'm ready for a greater life of obedience. Just one step at a time. I'm new at this. Thank you for being patient with me. Forgive me for my sins, Lord. I love you. Hallelujah. Those who prayed this prayer for the very first time, the Lord, you guys, is just, he's going to teach you the way of the master. He's going he's to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He's going he's to give you the promises through the word of God. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He is right there at your side, by your side, as are we. Amen, church? Amen, church? Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise.